fellow travelers, and welcome to Adventures in Security, episode 46 for March 18, 2007. I'm your host, Tom Olzak. You can find the information covered in, in these episodes at adventuresinsecurity.com on the podcast page. If you're interested in commenting on what you hear or about topics you'd like me to talk about, please send email to podcast at adventuresinsecurity.com. In this episode, we have two feature topics, the seven habits of effective information security leaders and the pros and cons of security risk management. The featured material is taken from my weekly contributions to techrepublic.com, a source of valuable information for all technology professionals. And now, commentary on the news. The increasing number of spam emails represents a shift from relying on worm replication to using millions of bot-infested systems to spread viruses via email. This according to a, an article titled Botnets Fueling Unprecedented Attacks in Government Technology, dated 16 March 2007. Current events drive the content of the messages, tricking interested users into thinking they're relevant. Postini reported that, Total spam has gone up 222% since November 2005, with 125% of this increase coming in the last six months. Major email-borne virus attacks in January and February were aimed at creating more botnets for future attacks. This increase in spam is not only increasing virus threats, it is also raising the cost to businesses of defending against the bot-driven onslaught of unwanted email. According to Ferris Research, the global cost of spam will reach $100 billion in 2007, compared to $50 billion in 2005. In a March 16, 2007 article, Sasha Sagan wrote about the benefits of keeping the venerable fax machine around in an article entitled, Why You Can't Kill the Fax Machine. The case was made for why she won't use fax software or a fax service includes complexity, cost, and the lack of good customer support. I don't disagree that it's often much easier to walk up to a fax machine than it is to fax something from my desktop, but Segan forgot one important element, security of the forms when they arrive on the other end. Whether a home or office user, each of us should think carefully before sending sensitive information by fax machine. Although we have control of the documents on our side of the transaction, we have no control over how long the documents stay in the input tray of the receiving machine. We also have no control over who might wander by and take a look. Before sending a fax, take a moment to ask yourself about the sensitivity of the information and the probability that someone other than the person to whom you address the fax might gain access to it. Scanning hard copy documents and emailing them might be a better answer. For several weeks now, we've known about experiments in which photons were used to transmit data through optical links over a limited distance. The distance limitations are caused by an incompatibility between the quantum data streams and today's switches and routers. However, the distance limitation has been broken if you plan to transmit an encryption key over vast distances. According to an article in Physics News Update, European researchers transmitted quantum data between two Canary Islands a distance of approximately 89 miles. This was documented in a a, uh, article entitled Wireless Transmission of Quantum Code, dated 16 March 2007. The article goes on to say that, in a proposed experiment to be coordinated by the European Space Agency, the International Space Station can transmit entangled key 
to two earthbound stations separated by distances distances 10 times greater or more than the 89 miles of this most recent test. In our final news story, Oracle is not without its own security problems. Typical conversations about database security lean toward Oracle as a mature, secure database with Microsoft SQL Server as a less robust, less secure environment. But David Litchfield, author of the recently published The Oracle Hacker's Handbook, disagrees with anyone who believes Oracle to be secure. Litchfield believes that users of Oracle databases have been lax in assessing data assurance. This is putting sensitive and critical data housed in Oracle environments at risk. On the other hand, he has publicly stated that he believes Microsoft SQL Server 2005 is secure. This tends to turn many beliefs about these two environments upside down. Although Oracle was combative early on, Litchfield believes it's starting to come to the realization that there's work to do to plug security holes, including buffer overflows and privilege escalation issues. This is good news. Our primary responsibility as security professionals is to protect the data. This is much easier to accomplish if the database environment itself is hardened, starting with eliminating critical vulnerabilities in the underlying code. We need to support the efforts of Litchfield and others as they continue to encourage providers of popular database software to make security a priority. Now on to our first feature of this episode, which is the seven habits of highly effective information security leaders. The balance between operational efficiency and information assurance presents some special challenges. On one side of the scale, business operations need to be as efficient as possible to meet company objectives. On the other side, information security professionals seek to secure sensitive and critical information assets to protect the business, its customers, its employees, and its investors. These two efforts have an inverse relationship. As one increases, the other decreases. So what's the answer? How do we reconcile these two opposing forces? In the March 2007 issue of the Communications of the ACM, there's an article by Stephen J. Andriel that I believe can help with these challenges. It's entitled, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Technology Leaders. I borrowed from that article, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Technology Leaders, and adapted them in an effort to differentiate security managers from security leaders. It's the security leaders who can strike the right balance between business need and information asset protection. Habit 1. Information security leaders focus on business models and processes before they focus on security infrastructure or applications. Too often, security managers run out and implement the list of controls, both hardware and software, currently evangelized in the press or by their peers. The current security leader pauses before jumping on the passing bandwagon. She assesses the security controls that are reasonable and appropriate, given the operational realities of the business. This is typically done by performing risk assessments and then comparing the cost of remediation in both hard dollars and productivity to the actual business impact of related security incidents. Risk mitigation objectives then become outcomes for which processes must be designed and implemented. As with general technology solutions, achieving the right level of information assurance begins with the right processes targeting defined outcomes. In the article, Andriel provides a 
a model of strategic and operational technology layers. This uh, graphic can be seen by going to the link in the show notes. And according to these layers, on the top, you have business strategy, strategic business applications. In the middle, you have business technology architecture. And there's a line through that layer because that is actually a dividing layer between the top two and the bottom two, which are infrastructure and support. According to Andriol, the bottom two layers are commodities. They had little or no competitive advantage to the business. The top two layers, if properly aligned with business strategy, can provide significant advantage over the competition. Like business applications and solutions that move the business forward, so too security solutions must contribute to the forward momentum. Security solutions should enable the business to reach its strategic goals by protecting the integrity and availability of information assets. Further, confidentiality of customer information must be preserved to protect the company brand. However, these objectives must be reached in a way that works in concert with operational processes. Habit 3. Information security leaders identify and prioritize business pain and approaches to pain relief as they move toward the creation of business pleasure. Security leaders must speak the language of business. They must develop the types of relationships with business leaders that allow them to understand the pain felt when the wrong security controls are put in place or when security controls are absent. Business leaders are moving toward more efficient ways to achieve business results through things like cost reduction and increased customer satisfaction. A security leader understands these concerns and works closely with business leaders to achieve the right level of information assurance while acting as a partner in pain relief. Habit 4. Information security leaders optimize the value of shared resource of shared services in centralized and decentralized companies, and they organize around the distinction between operational and strategic technology. Security leaders also champion governance above and below the operational-slash-strategic line. It's a common mistake for security managers to develop solutions that resolve an assurance challenge for a single line of business without taking the time to step back and see the bigger picture. The security leader works with business technology governance teams to ensure solution design that maximizes business value. This is often accomplished by implementing a single solution that solves multiple issues across departments or lines of business at nearly the same cost as implementing it for a single entity within the organization. In other words, security leaders attempt to address the concerns of the forest rather than those of just one or two trees. Habit 5. Information security leaders manage computing and communications infrastructure security professionally and cost-effectively through negotiated service level agreements and measurement best practices. It's always a good idea for a security leader to understand the expectations of the business leaders he supports. These expectations should be set down in one or more SLAs. Metrics must be created to measure the success rate with which service level objectives are met. A guide to creating and reporting security metrics can be found at sans.org. And if you go to the show notes um, and go to the Tech Republic article uh, on which this feature is based, there's a link to that guide. Habit number six. Information security leaders communicate often and predictably. 
Leaders communicate good news and bad news in business terms. In a large number of businesses, the successes and failures of the security team go unnoticed until there's a significant security incident. This is a fast track to unemployment for the responsible security manager. The security leader reports both successes and failures by representing their relative impact on the business. Further, she provides business management with action plans for remediation of less than optimal results. And finally, Habit 7. Information security leaders actively market their roles in the company, as well as security's ongoing contribution to the business. One of the worst mistakes a security manager can make is to fail to continuously sell the importance of security throughout the IS department, corporate departments, and all lines of business. Awareness of the importance of security translates into awareness of the value the security team and the policies, standards, and guidelines it enforces. Proper marketing of successful security outcomes can result in the security leader getting a seat at the table where he can help build information assurance into strategic objectives. And now on to our final feature, the pros and cons of security risk management. Risk management is the method most often used as the path to reach reasonable and appropriate spending and management of security controls. However, there seems to be contention between security professionals who believe this is the proper approach and those who believe that risk management is fundamentally flawed. The following pros and cons are my reflections on two recent opposing articles about this topic. The pro position was taken by Jay Heiser in an information security magazine article entitled Fad or For Real, dated February 2007. The pro stance is as follows. Looking at mainstream information security doctrine, risk is a basic metric in security management. Risk assessments are performed based on the formula risk equals threats times vulnerabilities times impact. I agree with Heiser's assertion that there is nothing certain in business. Rather, decisions about how much risk to accept are based on the probability that an unwanted event will occur plus the annualized business impact of that event. Using this approach, appropriate controls are put in place to ensure reasonable and appropriate protection for the business. Attempting to eliminate all risk is not a sound business decision from a cost perspective. At some point, you arrive at a point of diminishing returns. Security risk management integrates well with the way business managers make decisions. It allows security managers to speak a language decision makers understand. And the use of risk management tools helps security professionals align with business objectives rather than focusing entirely on destroying a vulnerability as soon as it raises its head. The con position was described very well in an article by Don Parker titled Risks of Risk-Based Security in the Communications of the ACM, dated March 2007. This is my interpretation of Parker's position. Decision makers might find it too easy to accept vulnerabilities if mitigating them takes necessary resources from accomplishing a business objective. Security managers often find themselves attempting to make a business case to protect against something that hasn't yet happened. It's difficult to quantify the business impact of security incidents that have never happened or rarely occur. In essence, risk reduction is guesswork at best. It isn't a valid metric of the company's commitment or effort to address matters of potential negligence, ethics, 
regulatory compliance, and protection of the company brand. According to Parker, and I quote, security risk is not measurable because the frequencies and impacts of future incidents are mutually dependent on variables with unknown mutual dependency under control of unknown and often irrational enemies with unknown skills, knowledge, resources, authority, motives, and objectives operating from unknown locations at unknown future times. Quantitative risk assessments are not effective because it's difficult, if not impossible, to obtain the actual cost related to an incident. Qualitative assessments are not effective because humans are bad at assigning values to risk. And finally, threats evolve over time. A risk assessment performed yesterday might have very different results if performed tomorrow. Both Heiser and Parker make good arguments for their positions. However, my experience shows that leaning too far in either direction is a bad idea. I use risk assessments every day to help determine risk. When I present the results, I also qualify my assessment scores with a statement that they are simply a guideline. Variances in qualitative or quantitative measures, evolving threats, and how much effort an attacker is willing to expend to reach an attack objective are all discussion points. Using unqualified risk scores as the only input into a decision about the right security controls is a mistake. Security management is not an exact science. As a director of security, it's my responsibility to educate business managers on the moving target at which we aim every day. I do this while working diligently to ensure that security is an enabler, a means to efficiently meeting business objectives and relative safety. Well, that's it for this week. I hope I was able to help you with making your network just a little bit more secure. And until next week, be careful what you click.